This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host, Chris Hamling, and my panel and I will take you through the details from our first home game of the season. Patrick Vieira's Palace were held to a goalless draw by Thomas Frank's Arsenal-conquering Brentford team. Our first point and an improved display, but no goals so far. So with me today, I have Nick and Mike. We'll do some quick hellos just because I want to. Hi, Nick. Been a while. It has been a while. I'm dead excited. I got a garden waste bin delivered yesterday. I've always wanted one of them from Bromley <laughs> Council, so I can get rid of the compost heap in the corner and actually dispose of my garden rubbish properly. I've got an apple tree with loads of rotten apples on, so that's my job tomorrow. I mean, a garden waste bin, that's the dream. You are really living everyone's <laughs> fantasy right now. Um, sorry to those listeners at home who don't have garden waste bins. Uh, obviously, don't want to offend any non-garden waste bin havers uh, on, on this occasion. Mike, how about yourself? You are right? Nothing as exciting as a garden waste bin, that's for sure. Um, he- hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I, um, I've been sofa surfing for a month now after moving out of my last place and not into a new one until this week. So it's been a little bit rough, but yeah, good. Yeah, sofa surfing, not surfing is not much fun. I mean, I'm, I'm due to move fairly soon if I can ever get solicitors and mortgage lenders and all that kind of stuff to do everything they're supposed to. Uh, hopefully you can hear the, the washing machine in the background as well uh, of, of my recording. But um, hey, you know, we're real people. Um, so yeah, um, don't don't envy you, Mike. Um, but uh, yeah, a couple of weeks away. That's all right. That's not bad. Where are you moving to? Uh, obviously, don't give an exact address uh, due to obviously your hordes of fans tracking you down. Yeah, well, it's exactly. Uh, stroke that one stalker. Um, I, I have a lovely sea view flat down by the coast in Hastings. Oh wow. When he, when he um, says sea view flat, it's actually a cave, isn't it, Mike? Come on. <laughs> it is, yeah. All right. So, um, well, look, plenty to get on with this week. Um, obviously, the main part of this show will be talking about 
the nil-nil draw. As I said in the intro, first point of the season and definitely a much better display than against Chelsea. However, you know, it's still a mixed reaction from from the supporters, uh, you know, particularly on social media. It'll be interesting. Uh, Nick and Mike were at the game. Obviously, I'm still on a, a self-imposed exile for health reasons, but hopefully he will be back soon. But um, So I may have a different perspective than others, but it'll be interesting to hear from both uh, how the how the people actually at the game um, felt. But before we get into the, the game itself, uh, plenty of news for you this week. And, and starting with, once again, Mike, the all-conquering under-18s from last year. Started the season with two wins, and um, this time it was against West Ham. Yeah, a goal either side of uh, West Ham's equaliser, which happened just before half time, I believe. Um, Akinwale, um was the captain, and he topped off his performance with a goal from the spot. So, yeah, two wins, good stuff. Yeah, three for the season for him already. Very much um, sort of in Omalabu's shadow. For the last uh, well, last season in particular, um, but a very, very you know, well thought of striker, um, you know, starting to come into his own under eighteen level. Now Omalabu's up with the twenty three. So um, yeah, really interesting to see the eighteens continue to progress, um, which is yeah, you know, very, very positive. Um, not quite as uh, positive for the twenty threes. Obviously, it's been a bit of upheaval. Um, Paddy's moved to take over the under twenty threes after Derry's become. First team coach losing 4 2 to Arsenal. Um, Kirby scored a goal in that game, and but yeah, a little bit of a disruption in that one with Scott Banks being sent off. And um, I suppose Nick, not too much to talk about in terms of the game. I thought you saw it, and, and I didn't either. But in terms of a, of a young lad in Banks getting himself sent off, um, you know, it, it, a bit of a mockery, really, in terms of under twenty-three football. You ever even bothering to have red cards? But it was for well, it's, two it's yellow. Two, two in two games as well, isn't it? Because we went down yeah. to ten in the first game as well. That's it. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, was it Malachi got sent off? Malachi Boating. But yeah, I, or David Boating, I think it was. But but either way, you know, very very disappointing. But I think he can still play in the cup. So would you expect maybe Banks um, to get an opportunity in the cup against Watford in the week? I'm expecting a lot of the youngsters to get an opportunity. Uh, obviously, Mr. Vieira is going to want to kind of gel our new system as much as he possibly can to take into the game next weekend. But it's a good time to blood some youngsters. Uh, Patrick had a very good discussion about it uh, on his post-match show yesterday. So um, if there's more info on that, if people want to watch that on YouTube, they go into quite good depth about the um, the game in the week and, and all the permutations that could happen. Can, can yeah, we just definitely. go back to the, the, the noise there? Was it was a Nokia 3210 went off in the background somewhere there? <laughs> it did sound like that, but that was the, the washing machine cycle finishing. It does oh, sound nice. like a Nokia 3210, nice. you're right. Yeah, 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 good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next up, Mike, you've, you've um, decided to, to, to pull this topic on here, and um, it's something I saw as well. It was the Sky Sports uh, poll on rivals. Um, so, yeah, take us through that. Oh, it's, it's absolute gold. I, I can't remember. Somebody shared it on the back of the net, Nest uh, WhatsApp. But essentially, Skybet um, ran a poll using YouGov um, back in July. And they asked fans of, of teams who their biggest rival in the Premier League was. So obviously, you're only allowed to say Premier League sides. Some very odd answers. Norwich clearly don't have anyone. So they went with Watford, which is, um, yeah, I don't know. Is that two yellow strips or what? Um, you know, Brighton. Ninety percent of Brighton fans said Palace. Seventy-three percent of Palace fans said Brighton, 
And I presume the other 27 were just spitefully saying someone else because they care that little about Brighton. Um, But but interestingly, um, the number one answer from Watford fans was Palace. So Mm. despite the fact, um, you know, as Daniel Skipsy says in the comments, since the playoff final in 2013, Watford have been promoted, relegated and promoted again. Nothing like holding a grudge. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah, it it is. And... um... You know, I know a few a few Watford fans, um, and I'm definitely not tempted to talk about Albert. Um, so uh, they they definitely don't like us. There's no two ways about it, and it is it is very much a one sided rivalry. We have to admit, um, but you know, as a as a poll, it is flawed massively in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because you know, as you say, it's restricting it to to Premier League teams only, and you had. A, you know, three different Man United rivals in the same list and all that kind of stuff. But it was yeah, definitely interesting to see how um, a, a team, frankly, not even on our radar in terms of Watford, see us as their, their biggest rivals. Um, but, you know, Brighton fans got something right for a change, didn't they? It, um, it would be interesting to see how many Watford fans would actually say Luton if all clubs were included. Because, you know, that's that's the traditional big one, isn't it? It is, yeah. They haven't played each other much over over the last few. Years. In fact, they played recently, didn't they? And had to play behind closed doors. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's um, it's weird when you you sort of think, you know, we've obviously grown up as, as Palace fans. We know our Palace history, but there's probably a whole bunch of of Palace fans for whom they have no idea about, you know, what it's like to play Millwall uh, because of you know how rubbish Millwall are and the fact we haven't had to play them for a very long time. You know, and there was some other club that played in red. I can't remember what they were called. Um, some they were in Kent anyway. I can't remember what their name was, but um, we we did play them for a while, didn't we? Was it um, Chatham? Uh, Chatham or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd like to bring up Millwall quickly because they were on TV mm-hmm. last Friday, um, and Fulham beat them at home. Um, and the Fulham fans, who aren't legendary for being particularly vocal themselves, were singing, "Is this a library?" at the home Millwall fans, which was one of the best things I've ever seen on Friday Night Football. So <laughs> just putting that in. Yeah, absolutely. How how the mighty are fallen. Um, and uh, Nick, last thing from you. You just wanted to bring up, uh, I'll, I'll let yeah. you go straight in. Yeah, well, 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 just one thing about not playing each other. 40, 40, 46 years I've been going to Palace. Yesterday was the first time I've ever seen us play Brentford. So, you know, let's let's have them as our new rivals. Deal. <laughs> just to be a bit <laughs> random. Yeah, um, there's a group, uh, Eagles Against Racism, uh, got, got a bit of cash together, got in touch with all the uh, local fan groups or the Palace fan groups, including our good selves at Back of the Nest, uh, raised money to get uh, an Against uh, Racism and Discrimination banner uh, put together. Uh, Darren Ambrose was very kind to come out and uh, lend his support and have a few t- photos taken on the top of the Homesdale yesterday. Unfortunately, um, because of fire regulations, we couldn't take it into the ground because the plan was Brentford, completely independent of uh, us, had done a very similar one themselves. And the plan was to get it out on the pitch before the game, uh, just to show a bit of support for the taking the knee and everything else. And uh, fire regulations said that we couldn't. Um, and lo and behold, you get in the ground and there's loads of very flammable plastic flags in every single seat. So I don't know where they get the rules from. No. Um, yeah, they seem to be applied randomly as well. Yeah. But there you go. It was a fan- fantastic gesture. Obviously, you know, it seems a, a, a really 
strange situation that we still need to even raise awareness of this kind of stuff, but we very much do. You know, we st- still encounter it up and down the grounds, you know, it, you know, even in, in 2021, which is just very, very odd. But any kind of, you know, pre- prejudice or intolerance, you know, it's, it's great that people are, are pulling together and trying to trying to raise some, raise some awareness of that. And we're very happy that we were able to, to lend our support too. So yeah, thanks, Nick. They, um, we'll be organising other stuff throughout the season and perhaps taking a banner to other grounds. So if you see anybody with a banner, come up, say hello, uh, show a bit of interest. Be good to Absolutely. see you. Absolutely. Right, so let's talk about the game. Obviously, nothing too dramatic to get into in terms of game incidents with it being a nil-nil draw. Um, but, you know, we're certainly... We're certainly looking at a performance that was um, a step up from the opening day. Of course, the opposition were very different. And and I suppose with the opening fixtures that we did have, you know, it was was something where I think a lot of people in their heads had it down as a a, pretty much one of the only opportunities for a win in those opening, you know, seven, eight, maybe even up to 10 games. So I think perhaps some of the reaction... Uh, to the to the draw was 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 negative because of that, um, but we'll you know we'll talk about people's reactions. We'll talk about you know how we actually viewed the game a little bit later on. But I think Mike, we're going to start with um, you know the the experience of the first home game of the season, shall we say? And I'll, I'll hand over to you for that. Yeah, well, let's let's start with a comment from Twitter from Leif Anderson's forehead. Good to have you back for another season, sir. Um, how is it that I turn up at two thirty and miss the kickoff? Appalling. So let, let's set the let's set the scene for the people that, that couldn't make it yesterday. Um, they they text everyone the club did uh, yesterday morning, so Saturday morning, to say um, you know make sure you get there early. So most of us did. Um, had a drink in the in the gatehouse at Norwood Junction before the game. Left nice and early, much earlier than we usually did. Probably quarter past two. Walk round. Bumped into Terence of the preview pod, um, who seemed to be a little worse for wear, um, which was pretty impressive for C15, so good work. Um, but yeah, we, we rounded the corner to Homestale Road and the queues were horrific. Like You didn't know where one started, one ended. Just people saying, are you waiting for you know turnstiles two or, or three or what? Um, some of the queues were, I'd say, a couple of hundred metres long. Um, no barriers up to separate them. So people were in the wrong queues and more than that, People that are a bit cheeky were just just jumping queues, um, and when we finally got nearby, um, someone came over and said, "Do you realise you don't have to wait for one and three as usual? You can go in, um, you can go in the main stand entrance number fourteen anyway because we've opened that up." They hadn't let anyone know that, um, so yeah, when we finally got there, it was just one guy was totally swamped trying to help people out. Didn't have time to sort of pat anyone down or anything, so I could have easily brought a six pack of Holston in and. Uh, I was very annoyed that I didn't know that. Um, so, and when we got inside, um, the only beer they had was stout as well um, at the wow. Grimms Bar. So it was, um, yeah, teething problems to the nth degree. Um, but even, even so, we did get in on time. Um, I know a few people didn't, but mostly people were there holding flags by three o'clock because they'd all got there in time. Just, um, just slow going. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of predict that happening. Um, and obviously, you can also understand the reaction of most fans, which is, you know, they've had a good couple of years, uh, not a couple of years, you know, well over a year in terms of COVID, not having fans at grounds to actually just plan, you know, what they might do. Um, but, you know, in, re- in reality, 
the the light switch to digital tickets, which ultimately is not something you you know you that that should be criticised. It's the right thing to do, but to to do everything so last minute, um, and then as you say, the, the the system at the ground, you know, failing, and certainly in a time right now where, like I say, I'm I'm, I'm keeping away from games because you know I, I'm clinically vulnerable right now, and, and COVID is still very much a thing. And, you know, and something that could frankly kill me right now. So, um, you know, I can't go to games. And, and But, you know, the temptation there is to is just to take that risk because I'm desperate to get back. You know, I have a season ticket. It was the first game of the season. I was absolutely desperate to go. But then I hear this and it's like, you, you know, the lack of segregation there, the the panic, the, the push, you know, all that kind of stuff to get in the ground. You know, it, that in itself just scares the hell out of me i have to be honest with you so you know i'm kind of i'm not one to really stick the boot in on the club too often but yeah on on this one i'm kind of with the people who were who were kind of sickened by the the appalling mess um what was your experience nick um round uh, entrance 13 the family stand in the main stand there were lots and lots of people about to help i queued up for about six or seven minutes to get in but like mike mike i wasn't searched or anything um, I did get my phone stuck in the reader because I wedged it in a bit too far, so I had to pull that out again. My biggest gripe was there was no hot So food. many euphemisms there, so many euphemisms. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've got to stop there. That's the clip, that's the clip for the show. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I'm a walking euphemism, me, aren't I? Um, my biggest gripe was there was no hot food. We, we dashed down there because got stuck in a bit of traffic on the way back from a wedding reception in the morning. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll grab a pie inside. I haven't had a balty pie for ages. No hot food whatsoever, um, which, you know, top-level entertainment in this country, Premier League ground, you'd think they'd they'd get that sorted. I don't know if it was the same all around the ground, but it seems to be in the main stand. But there was a good general level of buzz um, going into the ground. My cats are fighting um, in front of me. Um, <laughs> really good level of excitement. and. Um, once we were in and I realised I had a whole pack of chocolate eclairs and Haribo to eat uh, for sustenance, I kind of forgot all about it because the atmosphere just took over and I forgot how bloody loud sellers can be. And, Mike, wasn't it rocking, mate? Yeah, um, yeah, I can give the perspective from A Block. Um, it was... There was, I would, there was still a lot of empty seats. I think even even amongst the HF and the singing section, there was a lot a lot of people that couldn't make it. But between between them leading it and and you know right around the ground, it it it, it was loud. Even at the points where nothing was happening in the game. So you you mentioned the um, in in our notes here, Mike, the display. Um, how did that go? Yeah, obviously there were still some people stuck outside, but um, yeah, it was the um, it was the aforementioned plastic flags, mm-hmm. um, which went up at the beginning. Yeah, um, I'd love to see some photographs. I haven't seen them yet. Um, obviously, it's a lot different looking on TV, I'd imagine, than it than it was holding a flag. Um, I also, as a man of six foot five, um, I'm always really I don't like to hold things above my head because I'm already pissing the person behind me off. Um, <laughs> so I sort of I held the flag in a kind of queen way, like just. Rip, rip, like the Queen does with with stuff where she just waves it really, really a, a tiny amount in front of her face. So I did that. Um, I'm yeah. I I don't know. I you've 
you picked that metaphor or that simile. <laughs> you, you went there. You've decided to to go regal with it. Okay, okay fine. Um, That's up to you. Yeah. Up so, to you. so that, there was there was regal me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, it was pretty impressive. I mean, somebody's gone to some serious efforts. Um, it just they, they weren't really usable during the game, um, so mm-hmm. they only got used again at the end. I'm not going to so, lie. To- I've, I did really think of Freddie Mercury when he said in a Queen way. I didn't think of Her Majesty at all. And I was just imagining Mike breaking free. As soon um, as I can grow a moustache, I will be all over that. <laughs> hey, one, one day, mate, one day. You keep trying, all right? Um, so, look, you um, to start the game, I mean, look, you started to pick out, Mike, in, in our notes here around the... Uh, the wonderful ratings they have in whoscored.com, which, you know, again, we use it. It's a, it's a useful tool um, when we start thinking about, you know, how to how to analyse the game, how, you know, why, you know, where we've spotted patterns or we've spotted things that, that we've observed. You know, you go and look at the statistics to see if they back that up. And, you know, I can see, I can see in the notes here that you felt Coyote had a poor game. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. I think it was Navu tweeted it who said... Uh, Quixote's playing like he's not played in central midfield for a year, which, you know, obviously is the case. Um, but I know you've taken a particular umbrage with his rating of 7.2 out of 10. Yeah, well, the, if, on the ratings, only Guaita has a higher rating out of anyone in the side. Oh, no, sorry, he's Gallagher as well by 0.1, who I thought was the best player on the pitch for us. Um, yeah, Quixote, exactly as I've said on Twitter, um, clearly is now has to reassert himself uh, as a central midfield player. And he, I lost count of the amount of times he lost the ball. DR was in front of me and he was screaming in anger. Um, it, it was it was a tough day for him. I, I thought it was probably his worst performance in a Palace shirt, but I don't know how that looked on the TV. Yeah, I mean, it was noticeable on, on the TV how much he was struggling. Um, and I think what was also also noticeable was, was that, you know, he did keep dropping almost alongside Anderson at times to, you know, to kind of almost make a back three. And I don't know if that was deliberate. And, and I did think tactically it was, um, you know, it was quite odd. I don't know how it's, how it felt at the game, but you know, when we, when we, so when we kicked off, it really was a flat five in midfield with, with just Benteke up front, we, you know, with Zahar and, and I were very, very deep. Uh, and it was only kind of as the game progressed and, and as Gallagher kept getting forward centrally, that you saw, I said, are you, I didn't mean are you at all. I meant Schlup, are you came on later on. And, um, you know, Wilf on the right, Schlup on the left. It, it didn't really feel certainly in those opening moments that the balance was quite right in terms of attack, uh, as, as was kind of borne out by the result in the end. But, you know, certainly we'd address the issues we had in, in being a little, a little bit powder puff in, in terms of the midfield against Chelsea. And, you quite rightly picked out Gallagher. He was astonishing um, in terms of the first half, just how far head and shoulders he was above everybody else on the pitch, in my view. Um, that really came across from me. And how, how did people take to him at the game then, Nick? Yeah, they loved him straight away. He's, he's going to be, become a firm favourite very quickly. Um, he played with intent. Um, he looked good going forward. couple of rash challenges. Lost the ball a couple of times. But... He looks like a player who knows what he's doing. Still not the complete unit, because obviously if he was, Chelsea wouldn't release him on loan. But his, if, if that's his first game for us um, and he's just embedding into the squad, we've got a lot to look forward to. Um, 
just going to defend Kuwate a little bit. I thought he did well winning a few aerial duels. Um, and when he was caught, it was from behind him. And if you're playing at the back, you're not, not expecting people to come from behind, are you? There's another euphemism for you, Mike. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll get better. But, <laughs> but, but you've got to think about these players that are going to come in, haven't you? Because we've, we've got a lot of players on the wings that are, that are ready to fill spaces. I mean, you're, you're we absolutely, could do a better job there or...? You're destroying our show, Doc, by covering just about every point we're about to cover. Then, <laughs> um, yeah, can I ju- can I just um, on on Gallagher? Can we get producer Sam on to just discuss what she said about his hair? Because that yesterday that seemed to be the most important thing um, at the game. So, Sam uh, Gallagher's hair? Not a fan. No, not yeah. a fan. I don't like I think, that. I think I'm, you I'm used... really not keen on the hairband. You used some choice of words yesterday, than that. Um, <laughs> I don't um, remember. I, I, my, uh, my my girlfriend described his hair as fluff, um, and she kept saying, "Go on, fluffy hair." Um, so there you go. That was that was the, the view from uh, from from America. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised. It's a shame you haven't gone for the exact language. I'm, I'm keen. You can tell me after when we don't have to bleep it. Um, so, what about? Um, go on, Mike. Yeah, sorry, that's me. But um, oh. you, you were saying Gallagher um, got lots and lots of plaudits. Um, Gway was, I think, the favourite amongst the people around me. Mm. Um, just. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about a new, new defensive partnership in due course, but but he seemed to be the fan favourite above Gallagher. Really? Okay, that's interesting to hear. I mean, I, I was really impressed with the um, with both of them, really. But you know, it's still early days uh, in terms of that partnership, and uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't perfect. But you know, what you can see, and I, I was I was on uh, uh, Talksport after the game talking about this, and um, you know, one of the one of the aspects we'll touch on later is around the fact that, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of new players. We're trying to bed in a new style, you know, and, and he used the, you know, the, the comparison as you'd expect from most people, you know, is Vieira going to be another Frank de Boer? And I said, well, you know, no, because you can already see one thing pretty clear is that we've gone out and we've invested a lot of money in two center backs who can play the ball out from the back. Um, and, you know, the two of them, very comfortable on the ball, great passes of the ball. You know, Mark Gay in particular, you know, he's he's happy to run with the ball at his feet as well, which is great for a centre-back. And he doesn't quite give you the same, you know, concerns that, that Sacco has, even though I, I was one of those who felt Sacco got a little bit of a bit of a bum deal in that, in terms of the fact that, you know, he didn't actually make too many mistakes and, and set up a lot of, uh, lot of forward moves and, was responsible in, in you know in a lot of moves that ended up in goals and I thought we got a bit of a, a rough deal there but you know um Gay and Anderson as as a partnership you know they're exactly the type of players that we need and we needed to bring into the team for us to be able to play football the way that Vieira's trying to get us to play football and um you know that will take time but um any, any thoughts on Anderson Mike um, you know Nick's obviously picked out Mark Gay as somebody that ground who was who was who, who stood out about Anderson? Uh, both of them were, were rock solid. I thought defensively, um, we, we were great. Considering, you know, we've played the same two sides that Arsenal have played in the first two games and, we, and we've got a point more than they have. Um, 
you know, they, they, they were really solid and, and Brentford didn't have a lot of answers for the passing out of the back. And, and if there was a weak link of somebody being stressed, um, the only, and this, you know, this is splitting hairs because he was pretty solid most of the time. Guaita was probably the, the weakest of, of, in terms of passing. Um, Mitchell, Mitchell and Gihai, how do you pronounce that guy? He, guy, how do you pronounce his name? He, he pronounces it Mark Gay. Gay. Okay. Well, him and, him and Mitchell, um, seem to have an, an instant understanding together. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was just really good movement off the ball as well. Um, I, I was impressed and at no point did it really feel like Brentford were going to score. When they hit the bar, it came out of nowhere. Um, I know they had double the amount of chances. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They had 14 shots to our seven. Didn't didn't really seem like many of them meant much. Um, and I, I think we really held them off. I think it's a really good opportunity at this moment to talk about some stuff I saw on social media. And and I know it was a, something that Terence on, on redandblueharmy.co.uk, on his Twitter account there, he... he said he'd heard at the ground, he said it, hasn't, it took 45 minutes in the first home game of the season to hear someone say, stop playing it out from the back, it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we'll, 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 come to, we'll come to some general reaction stuff. The fact that we're, you know, we're two games into a season, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, you know, on, on this show in particular, you know, we've changed a huge number of players and the manager and a bunch of coaching staff, and we've got a really tough start to the season. You put all of those things together, you're going to have to give it some time. You know, you really are. Whether you were a fan of Roy Hodgson or you weren't, um, you know, whether you're looking to make a point about that so early on, if you're making these kind of judgments, you know, at half time in the first home game of the season and saying it doesn't work. I really don't know what to say. You might be you might be proven correct in twenty games time. We might have still have one point, and it might never work. But I think you know the the players that we've signed, um, you know, and and the positive signs so far is that that it should work. You know, the players are capable of doing it. Nick. Lone uh, lone voices on Twitter are amplified, aren't they? As as exemplified mm-hmm. by the whole Parish and Vieira have fallen out. But if if you look at the crowd crowd as a whole especially at the ground it was nine minutes 30 seconds in before we got the first Vieira's red and blue army now it took Allardyce seven games for that so Mm -hmm. I think people are buying into it on on that note um, Vieira certainly didn't pick that as one of the issues he wanted to work on and we did get a clip on it the possession that you had will sort of translate into more clear-cut chances. Did you, you had a couple of chances, didn't you, but, but not too many clear-cut. Yeah, and this is one of the um, the side of the game that we need to improve, is um, to have more players inside the box. I think at time uh, Christian was um, isolated. 
Um, I think if we had players around him, um, it would be a little bit more easy for him. But that is one of the side of the game that we will need to work on. Okay, that was Patrick Vieira, and as you're, as you're quite right, Mike, he's you know he's not focusing on any, any issues in terms of the defence, and you know what he's really talking about, and I think it's probably something we all noticed was was that link-up play, um, you know, in terms of the attacking sense, just wasn't really there through the course of the game, um, which which was frustrating, um, but it was really refreshing, I think, personally, to hear a manager say. Yeah, but Teke was isolated and we didn't get enough players forward because we've spent, you know, quite a long while wondering why our attacking players are isolated and, and having kind of no reference to it at the end of the game. You know, the the you know previous manager, as I say, you know, it's not it's not a Roy, a Roy hatred situation. I, I appreciate the job that he did, all those kind of things, but you know, we never really heard anything in, in terms of dissatisfaction from from the players not getting forward and not doing the right things and. We can see here that Patrick Vieira, you know Vieira, sorry, is demanding, uh, you know, a lot more in, in an attacking sense. But Mike, where do you where do you think it broke down? And you know, I suppose probably two questions really. Where do you think it broke down? And, and what was the view from the game on on how we went about attacking? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there was probably quite a lot that was going on off the ball that you wouldn't have seen on the TV yesterday, more than usual. Um, there was some definite words had between Zahar and Benteke, and then a little bit with Schlupp, and then later Ayu. Ayu visibly frustrated, but the most angry was Benteke, who was playing um, excellently with holding the ball up, um, and, and there wasn't a huge gap between him and the other players like there has been in the past where he's done that and the ball's just drifted off the opposition. He was knocking it into decent spaces, um, but there was just a failure for that little triangle to work. Um, there was a lot of misplaced passes, so and the players were clearly annoyed with themselves. And that's come from Vieira, I think, because I think in the past, they'd have just shrugged it off and carried on. They were visibly annoyed at their inability to do what they were trying to do. Um, so that came across a lot. Um, and, and off the ball, you could see them having some strong words with each other. Benteke really, really got angry at points. Sahar as well. Um, it, it was interesting to watch. Interesting. Well, on that, Nick, um, you know, a few people, you know, I, I made them, I don't know if it's a mistake reading the BBS these days. Sometimes I feel like it can be. Um, and there's a there's a whole thread dedicated to you know Zaha, you know basically not having his mind on the game, being a liability, needing to be dropped, and losing his pace, and all these kinds of things that seem to be coming out of the woodwork after a couple of games of the season. But you know a lot of people saying you know his anger and the way he's playing the game at the moment is, you know, to the detriment of his performances. And I suppose two questions to you, really. The first being, you know, what what did you think of his performance yesterday? And I suppose the second, is, is that criticism fair? His performance wasn't his best. And when he did get on the board and, and go forwards, he, he, he didn't seem as agile and as skillful and trickly as he used to be. But, but cast your mind back previous seasons, Chris, when... There's been lots of speculation about his future, and he's always gone off the boil a little bit, hasn't he? When when his name's mm. been mentioned, do you remember when he was first mentioned for Man United before he went there? He wasn't as good for a little while. I I mm. think after the transfer window and and what's going to happen has been settled for for sure until the next transfer window. That's when we'll see the best of him. Also, you got to remember we are a work in progress, and we've come up against a team that have come up 
and they're playing the same way and they're used to playing that way. We're playing a completely different way. We can't turn around five years of Roy Ball in two games. There was a lot of improvement compared to the Chelsea game. And yes, the problem with the Chelsea game is we couldn't get the ball away from the from the back four as we were trying to pass it out. Well, we did that this time. Now we just need the next phase of the pitch to get it. And I actually think when IU came on, he did garner a lot more chances and a lot more positivity and a, a little bit better link-up play, especially with Ward down on that side. Um, it was good to see that Wilf and, and Jeff swapped over sides, which seemed to work a little bit. But I think Brentford had his number as well. There were lots of niggling fouls, weren't there? Um, mm. And teams know how to rile him up. You pick on Wilf. And his game falls apart to a certain degree. It's not like he used to be where he'd go, right, I'm going to show you and get past you this time. He he does need to get the moaning out of his system. But I don't think he moans any more than any other player. It's it's the whole Luca thing, isn't it? It's, few people have picked up on it and you notice it more because it's been said. Um, yeah, yeah. And... and, and... I, you know, that, I think you're, you're right, and you picked up on uh, made a really, you know, a load of really good points there, Nick. And you know, I'll just say this: I mean, I'll always defend Wilf because you know he's a magnificent player, our, our best ever, in my view. Um, and, and I also, I've said a number of times, you, you don't want to take that spark out of him where where he does get angry, because as you quite rightly say, sometimes you know he does he does channel it, but you know he's into into a better performance but you know he didn't play particularly well but as you say it's a new system and he's and he's far from the only one it's not like you know Wilfred Zaha was the worst player on the pitch and and everyone else had a great game you know it was a it was a system where everyone's still trying to find their feet there's players you've never played together you know, if we're we're expecting perfection, and and we do have high expectations of Wilfred Zaha, but you know, the thing that I think is probably the most relevant that you talk about there is the attitude towards Wilf changes, kind of season on season because he's made it clear if he could get the opportunity to move on to a club who are challenging for for European football, he'd like to take it, and I think that in a lot of people's minds, either consciously or subconsciously, has meant that they are finding the faults and not looking at the the, the positives uh, and even in a really poor performance you know which which he did have you have to be honest he was ineffective and he didn't seem to quite know how to how to get away from the attention that he was getting and how to get himself on the ball and everyone has a you know part to play in getting him on the ball in the right areas but ultimately he, he couldn't raise his performance and but he's allowed to do that. He's a human being. He's not a perfect player. None of the players that we have are 10 out of 10 players every single week. And, and you don't get many of those in football. So, you know, I think it, it gets overstated so much, the kind of over-analysis of Wilfred Zaha when, you know, he's doing the exact same things he's kind of always done in getting angry with certain things, not always playing with a smile on his face, often a scowl, often, you know, and let's face it, it was Martin Atkinson refereeing. He's never going to have fun when he's got Martin Atkinson refereeing <laughs> because Atkinson just absolutely hates him for some reason, will not tolerate a thing. You know, how many fouls did Brentford commit without punishment? And it, and it just, you know, no protection whatsoever. So all these things come together and it, and it becomes, you know, the sum of all those parts seems to be summed up as a, as a Zaha is... Is so unhappy and he's and he needs to be dropped. But finally, the point you made about Ayu, you're absolutely right. Last last week against Chelsea was not great. Dropped 
comes off the bench as a really good, you know, as a really good, few, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so off the bench. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe the time has come to, to say, you know what, Wilf, watch, you know, watch a game from the bench for an hour and, and, and see how it, you know, and, and see where you can impact a game and then come on and show us. Uh, and that might be a good way of, of, of managing the situation at the moment. But, you know, there's so much more work to do from a, from an attacking point. But, Mike, I'll, um, I'll lead into this. We're going to get a clip just in a sec. Uh, but one of the players in, who did get forward and did support the attack and obviously had a couple of very, very good chances, one which hit the bar and one which, you know, he did hit left-footed straight at the goalkeeper. And that was Gallagher again. We've talked about him already. But let, let's hear from, uh, from Conor Gallagher now. Palace had a really good start to the match and you were central to that because you hit the bar you made a couple of key defensive clearances as well and um, just a really good debut overall how do you assess your individual performance? Uh, I was just happy to be out there I've not I've not had many minutes in pre-season uh, so I was really excited to get on the pitch and play in front of the fans and they, they were unreal they were so good um, of course I need to improve everyone needs to improve uh, especially as, as a team, most importantly, because that's how we're going to get, get the points. So there we go. Um, you talked about the fans, Mike. Do, do you feel, although he obviously is a Chelsea player, he's only on loan and we don't know whether we've got any chance of signing him permanently and all that kind of stuff, but does, does he feel to you like a, a proper Palace midfielder? You could, you could see that the, uh, the crowd were riding him up. He's, he's got a nasty streak to him anyway, which I really appreciate, like a really nasty streak. He's happy to be... Pretty, pretty brutal with the tackles. Um, I'm sure he's going to get a few reds and yellows. Um, but he, the, you could tell in the second half when they were coming towards the Homesdale um, that it was pushing him and probably Benteke and IU forward. Um, you know, he's not going to get that Stamford Bridge. He's going to get the the usual three chance and, and <laughs> moaning. So um, it's it, it's new for him. Um, if 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 that helps him, then great. Um, but yeah, he was he was the one big bright spot for me. Uh, uh, for, for, for this game, absolutely right. Well, we could um, we could we could talk more uh, about him, but I think we'll probably be doing that a fair few times over the course of the season. A um, couple of things I want to mention, then I'll let you guys uh, sum up anything that you've still got that you want to say. I did think um, we've got to take a real look at the the fullback areas. I think Ward has always had limitations at Premier League level, and and every season surprises me. That he kind of get kind of kind of has a resurgence and and you know I'm start to lose faith and then he pulls out a bit of form and you know been a fantastic servant to the club but you know defensively you know he's still good at Premier League level but you know getting forward one great cross to Benteke who really should have scored with a header but other than that you know doesn't doesn't add too much to the way we're trying to retain possession trying to move the ball quickly. You know, he's not one who who passes the ball particularly accurately to feet. He's not one who's who's quick when he receives the receives the ball to move and pass and move. All those kinds of things and kind of holds us back. And I thought, you know, Tyreek Mitchell showed in in, in that game that he's still got a way to go development wise. It's great that we're putting faith in him. He's built up built up plenty of experience playing at Premier League for Palace. But you know, he's got to kick on a little bit more now. So get that bit more belief going forward getting involved in the passing moves. He's got it in him. We've seen it, uh, you know, in spells when he's been in the team. But you know, that left-back spot's his own right now. And um, and he was targeted. Brentford targeted him. Um, and that that tells you something. If, you, if your opponent has studied your team and decided that you are a weakness, it shows that you've got a bit to do. Um, 
I don't know if either of you have uh, any thoughts on the fullback positions. Um, a couple of things with with Mitchell. He's never played at Sellers when it's been rocking. You, we forget that he's been playing in empty stadiums for a year. Different kettle of fish. Um, as for Ward, yeah, that cross was superb from uh, to Ben Teke. He should have scored. Um, but you don't want to change too much at once. We said we're we're developing, um, changing the style. If you change too many players at once, does it lose too much at once? Do you need to keep some of mm-hmm. some of it still in there to keep some of that shape and that familiarity amongst the players? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, and I, and I think again you you make a good point in the sense that we have changed a lot, and both of them have got a, a new centre back partner, you know, alongside them, if you like. Um, you know, we're used to having the same voices talking Tyreek through a game. You know, whether it's Tompkins, whether it's Sacco, whether it was Cahill last year. You know, just giving him that bit of you know friendly advice in where he should be and you know where where he should tuck in all that kind of stuff. And he's is his first new manager at Premier League level as well. He's going to have different ideas and different demands. But for me, it's just an area we need to to look at through the course of the season. But um, probably not the most urgent area, but but worth looking at. Mike, you've um, got an, uh, got some commentary on the. Uh, on Brentford's, um, shall we say, uh, fairly dramatic attitude. Well, the fact that there was a sniper in the stadium shooting them down. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Considering at, the, at times they they were at least as strong as Palace and looked equally as likely. Um, but I don't know why they were holding the game up as they were, but it, it made for a terrible spectacle. Producer Sam lent over to me at one point and said that there's no way that this won't be last on match of the day, I presume it was. Um yeah, it, it was just it just ruined the spectacle and, and if they're gonna do that all season, they're gonna quickly become um much more disliked than they currently are. Um the other couple of things I just wanted to mention, um Ward and IU with two of the worst shots I've ever seen Ward shot, literally, you know, <laughs> you know, insensible soccer when you accidentally bent it and it went, it went off to the corner flag. Like it was, it got, it got such a rapturous applause because literally in the hundred people hadn't hit the ball that high out of the stadium. It was an outrageous shot. Um, and the other thing, Dr was in front of us in E block. Um, it, it was warm, you know. The, the, the guy from the HF was, was was took his top off. Dr just standing there in a in a in a new third strip, but also a full on winter coat. Um, <laughs> so, I just inexplicably needed to mention that. Um, yeah, outrageous. I think, I, um, I'm quite I'm convinced that Dr is in fact cold blooded. So um, yeah. uh, that's the only explanation. Yeah. Okay, look, we're not going to dwell too much more uh, on the show. Keep these short and sharp this year, but. Um, you know, it'd be remiss if we didn't at least all all have a comment on some of the the reactions to to things as they are right now. And I know you've picked a few comments out in terms of listener reaction, but to make a a general point, you know, I go back to to mentioning I was on, on Talksport after the game, and I was talking with a presenter there about um, you know Patrick Vieira, and he and he was saying, you know, the whole, as I mentioned earlier, was it was it like Frank De Boer all over again? But you know, he made the point to me. Um, that he said, you know, just the difficult job that Vieira's picked up, um, the, the number of changes, you know, he said, surely any right-minded Palace fan is going to be patient and not make any, you know, immediate judgments, especially given the, the fixture list and how unkind it's been to, to us at the start of the season. You know, it's pretty much, as a new manager with a new set of players, it's a hiding to nothing. It's see what you get and, and, and basically look for progression. And I, you know, I think that's where we should be. And I suppose 
you know, we, we haven't seen that reaction from, from many. And I'm really looking for a bit of assurance from, from you guys, first and foremost, that, that there was none of that negativity at the ground. Uh, is that fair to say? Not, not, that, not that I heard. I mean, there's, there's very rarely negativity in, 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 in the homestead anyway, really. You hear the odds, angry voice when someone's giving the ball away. But no, you know, Vieira got a, a rapturous applause at the end of the game. He came around, clapped everyone, started clapping Amesdale, then realised he better clap everyone else as well. Um, yeah, it, uh, mutual respect is all Russell. Yeah, everybody was just glad to be there as well. It was the first game back. So we were glad to be back at home seeing all our mates again and um, just glad that everybody, well, everybody around me has survived the pandemic and they all seem to be in rude health. So it was good just to see everybody again and, and catch up and just have that Saturday afternoon vibe that we've all missed for so long. And, yeah, yeah it's sure. good to be back home. Uh, can I just shout out to Guaita for some excellent punching and some aerial dominance yesterday, which we haven't seen for a while. Great stuff. Well, um, Mike, I'll, I'll let you take us through some of the comments, but I do want to pick a, a couple of the easy ones out. I mean, Jack, um, we've obviously covered your comment uh, around how good Conor Gallagher was, you know, standout performer, man of the match for me. Um, but, um, you know, there's been a, a couple of other comments maybe that uh, are trying to make a certain point, you think, well, Mike? I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll read them all out and, and one of you just give me a one-sentence answer, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, Cav said... Uh, Careful what you wish for. And I would imagine that's directed at you, Hambo. So let's <laughs> well, go with your answer. Or, or all of us as a group, maybe. <laughs> um, look, it's a really easy thing to say, isn't it? You know, because what what we'll never be able to prove, um, let, let's say, let's assume that that's saying, you know, we'll only appreciate Roy now he's gone and we shouldn't have been so critical of him before, which is a whole bunch of assumptions about whether Roy would have wanted to carry on. But let's face it, let's say Roy had signed another deal. Um, what players would he, ha- would he have had? You know, what players would he have accepted, first and foremost? Because you can see some of the comments that came from the club in the summer made it pretty clear that, uh, that a lot of the talk that, that certainly I'd heard of, of Roy being very resistant to, to, to a lot of players he was offered. Um, you know, and, and not wishing to build a team. The fact that players were getting older, the fact that we needed to make some kind of a change in terms of the playing staff alone. We're going to have all these assumptions that, that what Roy was doing would have, would have been successful again. And there are no guarantees of that. So that's the first thing, if you're going to make that point. It's all based on, on something we'll never know the answer to as to whether or not Roy would be better um, than Patrick Vieira. And, and also whether or not there's a better manager out there for the circumstances we got that would achieve better results in the first two games than Patrick Vieira as well. You know, how do we possibly know that? So it's a really difficult thing to to talk about, but I think in anything, you know, we got accused, me, me particularly got accused of having an agenda last year and trying to push a, you know, push that agenda on everything, looking to blame Roy for everything, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, you know, what probably shouldn't happen if you made that point last year, you probably shouldn't tr- do the same thing by pushing an agenda this year. Uh, otherwise, it just kind of invalidates the argument, doesn't it? But, you know, whatever you think, however, whether it's going to be successful or not under Patrick Vieira, with all the changes we've made, we cannot say for anything right now, can we? We can't make any judgment on it two games into a season. It's just, it's just ridiculous to try and do so. 
I actually know Cav, Mike, and I think the care for what you wish for is more aimed at the sort of questions you're going to get when you ask for them rather oh, than yeah, the yeah. actual. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought so, I thought so. I remember a lot of Cav's communi- communication, to be fair, and he's. Uh. I like Cavi. He's usually got um, a, uh, you know, a, good, a good positive spin and some sensible comments. Um, not, I, th- I think there were some others in there, weren't there, Mike, that are uh, well, yeah, get, what you're let's, saying. Let's get to those. So there's a French one before that, though. Mm. Quel milieu de terrain c'est saison et quel allié dans le couloir gauche? Oui. So I think that's somebody asking um, if we need someone else in the centre or on the left. Um, or the I, right, I, surely. A gauche is right, isn't it? Oh, is it, isn't Dwight right now? Oh, no, anyway. Dwight? Oh, no, you might be right. Yeah, gauche well, is left. I yeah, mean, sorry. Shit. I'll quickly answer that one by saying that I, I think we've got a lot of players we've already bought that are to come back. And at the moment, we're still sort of halfway with last last season's team. So it's really hard to say, I think. Um, Cal, Caulfield 7, how can we blame Roy? Um uh, yeah. Okay, I can find one for you if you really want me to. <laughs> let's, for, let's just for for, for not letting uh, for for not being you know open and progressive with the squad prior to now. So you know we you know there was there was a lot of uh, opportunity to do different things with the squad before this summer that we didn't do. Um, so that's if, if you want me to do that, but I, I get the point, right? I, I, I understand it. And Caulfield's been someone who's uh, been been engaged with us for a very, very long time. I remember the very early Homestone Radio days. And hey, your opinion's your opinion; it, it, it's fine. You're a big, big defender of Roy. You didn't like how I went anti-Roy. I get it, but you know, I'm I'm really positive about the the new direction we're taking. Pethos. In the starting eleven, we've only got two real goal threats, Wilf and Benteke. Both were nullified by the opposition and we were toothless in front of the goal. It's worrying, in my opinion. Nick? Kind of uh, has been for a while. We did have lots of different scorers last season and the season before. We've got players coming in, haven't we? We've still got a week of the transfer window to go. Um, Like I said, in the Chelsea game, we couldn't get the ball out the first third. in this game, we've managed that. It's getting the ball to the forwards to score. It'll come. It's it's a work in progress. I'm not I'm not too bothered. Yeah, it didn't look toothless to me. I I I, I think we we've certainly had better games going forward, but um, it, it 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 will click better than that. Um, and and Brentford's, you know, that they, they, for the first half dozen games this season, they're going to be really difficult to break down. No one's scored a goal against them yet albeit the other team was Arsenal. Um, and the last question from Paul Nash. Uh, thought Wilf was a bit silly, completely ineffective. If someone came in from before the end of the season, would you take it? Yeah, not for the not for the reason specified. Um, and neither would the dog. Uh, but um, but but for his benefit and probably ours as well, uh, if a if a suitable bid came in, I think we have to we have to say yeah. We have to give him if it's the right opportunity for him, right money for us. We have to we have to let him go. Um, but if we but you know, if no one comes in, he's going to have to knuckle down and he's you know he's going to have to prove something to a few people. I think because whilst a, a lot of us will will never turn on Will, a few a few have really. And uh, so there we go. That's everything we've got, and um, we'll be leaving the show right there. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much to Nick and to Mike for joining me today and for Sam for producing. Um, thanks to everybody who got in touch with the show today, whether you we used your message or not. 
genuinely helps us develop the show plan every single week. So like, follow, subscribe on all our social accounts, especially head over to our YouTube channel. You'll get live reaction to the matches. Dr's doing a, uh, you've got Patrick doing a live show. Dr doing a live show uh, every single week, as well as loads and loads of extra videos on there and even some content from the video version of this show when it works properly. And um, the preview team will be back in the week uh, to look ahead to next weekend's trip to play West Ham, as well as taking a look back at the midweek EFL Cup game against Watford. So until next time, come on you Palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.